0: Welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. This show is inspired by the midlife crisis, astrology transits according to Western astrology. These transits are phases that everyone goes through in life, specifically starting in the mid to late 30s through to the early to mid 40s. A little later, there's a time of significance around the age of 50, It's those years that are often called the midlife crisis, which I call the midlife unravelling, thanks to Brene Brown's article of the same name. It can be the opportunity to confront our biggest fears, find our way through the foggy times, bounce us from one extreme to the other, and give us health checks, just to name a few. In my quest for as peaceful a journey as possible, Through the sometimes chaotic nature of the human condition, I'm exploring my own midlife by speaking with others about their experiences and the tools they've used to walk through this time with grace and awareness. At the end of the episode, I've included a piece of my original music that links to the show's theme. Today's guest is an energy intuitive, shaman and author of the book Talk to Me, Elise Young. Her specialty is facilitating the language of emotions and feelings through working with the inner child and higher self. I first met Elise several years ago at some of Aotearoa New Zealand's conscious festivals, where we were both workshop facilitators and where I played on the music stage both solo and with my band Shakti. Subsequently, I attended one of her inner child workshops, as well as the several shamanic journeys she offers. What resonated with me was the depth of the work, and life-changing tools that helped me identify and feel through emotions and feelings. This was at a time when I was in the initial stages of the astrological transits that make up this midlife unravelling, right in the midst of my Pluto square. It felt like I was being forced into strange feelings that I tried to explain to myself with reasoning. With tools, including those I learned from Elise, I began to fully realize and not just intellectually know that feelings can never be explained or managed by the mind, they require embodied feeling. I got curious. How did these midlife transits influence the people who have helped me at this interesting phase of life? Elise describes her rude awakening, which led to a complete change in her mainstream life and a move to Australia, especially impactful in her Chinese family as a first-generation New Zealander. Later on, during her Neptune and Uranus transits, where there is often initially fog, then another wake-up and shake-up, she left her mainstream life to live in a different country in a remote valley for five years, communing with nature and experiencing an illuminating expansion of consciousness. These days, in a beautiful coastal spot that certainly doesn't feel like part of a big city, she offers a myriad of modalities through workshops and one-on-one sessions, both in person and online. Elisa's focus is to support Millennials the eldest of who are in their first phase of the midlife unravelling, to facilitate self-awareness, acceptance, empowerment, and self-healing. As she says, it's our conditioning that impedes our potential, and it's the midlife unravelling of this conditioning that we're here to talk about. Elise, welcome to Unravelling Midlife. Thank you, Sarah. It's really,
1: uh, it's a beautiful opportunity to be here to share whatever you want me to share.
0: (laughs) So how would you describe for listeners what
1: you do? I'm an energy intuitive. And what that means is that um, I interpret energy back to feelings, understanding the dynamics of energy and the consciousness of the energy of what is actually in front of us, so whether it's myself or with another person or with a group or an actual problem. So yeah, I I kind of just look at the energetic patterns of the conditioning and the beliefs that always come back to a feeling. And instead of buying into the story, I help myself and other people to understand how to move through by expressing it with a new perspective.
0: I was thinking about feelings even though I was you know probably trying to feel the feelings but I do a lot of thinking a lot of air in my chart it arose within me at the time that we did some work with you and we did focus on feelings yeah. and I remember for myself that I I'm not always great at identifying feelings or knowing what is happening it just feels uncomfortable And often I know I find my form of escapism and more and more I'm noticing that. Is that the kind of thing that you work with? Yeah,
1: definitely. It's helping people to feel comfortable with their feelings because, you know, the feelings is our energy and the discomfort is actually understanding that you want to express something differently, but you're not quite sure how to. And this comes back to the uh, conditioning and your beliefs of where you are at the moment. I know that you also do a lot of inner child work. So the inner child work is really symbolic of being able to identify the aspect of the energy that is blocked and then when we bring it back to just a feeling and we see it as our small child, as we were at a time when something occurred, we can we can sort of relate and understand, wow, okay, I, re- I remember that. I remember that I couldn't speak. I remember that I wasn't allowed, you know, and so therefore we start skewing our idea of how to express our feelings. And so what we're doing is with the inner child, we're taking it back to the purity of the innocence of that place of the lack of expression and the lack of support that we felt. And, um, yeah, and, and hopefully by uh, self-talking but being in connection with the feeling, we, we then allow and give permission for that expression to be released with a new perspective, of course.
0: What was coming to me this morning was uh, when I was thinking about talking with you was when I was at primary school and there was the mean boy and he would always tease me and my mum said just pretend it doesn't affect you and uh, I've always been one of those really sensitive people and then I saw him at a festival from a distance (laughs) uh, a year or two ago and I thought oh I think that's that guy and he'd been quite mean at high school too and I thought I'm not going to talk to him. And I missed this great opportunity to have some closure, uh, which only occurred to me this morning when I was pondering it. Um, But that sensitivity and that learning how to survive with life, these really important skills to get us through being human. And I feel like a lot of us, and I know for me, and is it quite common that you find a coping mechanism and maybe take it a little too far?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I feel like probably 97% of the population is is in survival mode, you know, because we've been conditioned to um, close down our feelings and to adhere to a code. It's like a code of behaviour. That's what we're learning through our family, our culture, our society, rather than just the pure acceptance of this is my expression, And so, um, you know, education for one is is a code of a code of um, what do you call it, socializing. And, you know, in that way, it's, it's just easier to to keep people in control, I suppose. You know, our families control us by giving us conditions. And so therefore, you know, our being from from the time we're born feels quite suppressed and repressed on many, many levels. And this is why we're seeing such a, a huge uh, sense of disillusionment and, you know, lack of um, fulfillment, you know, all those sorts of feelings that, that come with with your adult life. It's like a lot of people are now at the point, this is a crossroad right now in our humanity. A lot of people are now starting to question, is this the life that I actually signed up for? Is this, is this the only life that, I have to live right now, you know. Can, can it get better, and how will it get better? Because I feel like crap inside. <laughs> what what am I striving for? You know, I'm on this I'm on this wheel, this treadmill, going round and round, and and all I all I see and sense of you know more and more things coming onto me rather than being free.
0: It's funny you should say that because that uh, that would be maybe part of the reason that I wanted to create this show was okay well I feel like I'm in patterns and in Mm. recurring circumstances and I want it to get better so there's a little bit of striving and a little bit of learning from studying astrology that some of this is cycles that happen to us all like the influence of the moon is obvious Mm. Um, I know that I saw in the news after the last full moon that emergency departments had been really full and GPs had had to step in uh, to help because the emergency department couldn't cope. And I thought, hmm, that was full moon. That's Not right. Very surprised. And so, when it comes to the greater play of life, there's all these other influences with the planets, uh, which is these midlife ast- astrological. Tr- tr- Midlife astrological transits. Mm. And there's that sense of things that we need to face, like biggest fears, or hang on, are we on the right track? So, Mm. how has that worked for you in your
1: life? Well, I had a very rude awakening in my early 30s. And um, I came from a very conservative, very quite traditional family life. I was on the straight and narrow. I was the good girl. you know, I did what I was told, and uh, I was happily married and you know, and just striving for that normal life, whatever that means. But also, I was very aware that I felt incredibly depressed, probably from my teenage years up until that point of thirty one where I could no longer contain it, you know, And so in a way it was like it was my rude awakening and i never spoke to anyone about it i just held it all in and um and so yeah and it was through my ultra sensitivity that led me to a therapist actually and she could see that i was completely shut down like i'm i was a completely rational person you know it was either black or white there was no in between and uh and so then she she could see that i was probably going to be a difficult client <laughs> So only seeing her, what, two times, she, she suggested I go and visit a, a, a psychic lady, which I thought was really amusing. And, and I thought, yeah, she can't help me. You know, my, that was my um, narcissistic side. Oh, nobody can help me. And I went to this lady, and, uh, and she was just she was just so amazing because she described my whole life. So all she asked me was my name, my birth date, the members of my family and then she told me my whole life and that was an hour and 20 I think I spent with her and I just thought wow first of all I felt completely relieved that actually somebody understood understood me and I was fascinated and one of the very first things she had said to me was that you've got great consciousness and me and my conservativeness, she was this um, English woman with long curly hair. She was very thin and willowy and, you know, she had a crooked nose and, and she had a squeaky voice and she wore this long dress and boots. And the only thing I could think of the whole time she was with me was that you're a witch, <laughs> not, not realising she's psychic, of course, you know, and she can hear my thoughts. But, um, and so then when she said I have great consciousness, I was sort of like I don't even know what that means and so she encouraged me to um, to go and um, learn more from her, you know. And originally I was really resistant, but from that first meeting with her, I felt like there was a rope in my stomach and I was just being pulled. So, you know, I made another, another appointment and when uh, two weeks later, I think it was, and she said to me, she said, oh, I didn't expect to see you again. And I said, yeah, I don't really know why I'm here. And I said, but I somehow felt, Comforted by what you shared with me, and so from then on, I, I actually entered her school, which I spent four years learning, learning about how to interpret energy, understanding my feelings because that's really where it came from—the shutdown feelings, working with the inner child, um, and lots more actually. And and through that, my shamanic side came through. So all those things that you talked about in the beginning, I do refer to the astrology because I. I do understand that the energetic pull from the different planets, the way they're positioned, because we are from the stars, you know, we are from the stars. And so therefore we are going to be influenced through our waters, which is why everyone has this moody time with the moon, because the moon is all about the water, the emotions. And so I'm always aware of, looking at the astrology to understand what I'm moving through because it's usually a collective thing as well and so therefore it doesn't become so personal and you know and with all the um learnings I've had over the years I also understand that we we are connected to everything that is living and um and every form in every dimension as well and, and the way to access that is actually through our sensitivity and our feelings we're given sensitivities for a reason
0: it's it is part of our communication yes sometimes it feels like a curse but really it's blessing mm. in so many ways
1: yeah yeah it's about looking at it from a different perspective now
0: and using it as your ally absolutely yeah so that all that rude awakening happened for you and obviously had a huge impact. What I'm curious, as I unravel my own midlife, how did that happen for you when you got to those kind of classic Western astrology midlife transits? So, you know, 35 to 38 was when your Pluto was squaring off to the birth chart and then Neptune in 39 to 42 Kind of overlapping with Uranus at that forty to forty-two. What happened around there for you? Well, it was it was a huge disruption
1: to life as I knew it. I went through this unraveling of my former life, and so it was understanding all those uh, repressions that was created out of my family life, my culture, my environment, all of that. It was actually a time of reclaiming my inner child to understand me as a person. And then from 35 onwards, because then I left the school and then it was a sense of like, what What am I doing with myself? Where is my life? And at that point was probably actually one of the lowest points in my life. Um, I hit rock bottom simply because my whole world had changed so dramatically that my friends, my family didn't recognise who I was and didn't want to accept who I was becoming and that's when I got a strong uh, guidance from spirit to say you need to live in Australia now and that was huge it was like I'd travel previously you know four and a half years traveling around the world having a great time you know in my in my youthful expansion so to speak and then like I was ready to come back to New Zealand settle down have a family per se you know and and all of that just was like thrown out the window and so then it was like you can go and live in Australia now, either Gold Coast, uh, Queensland, or Melbourne. And it, it just completely frightened me because it was like, even though I have some family over there, I I didn't want to live in Queensland. It's way too hot for me. I didn't know anyone in Melbourne, so then I went to WA. <laughs> I did WA for eight months. Oh my god! And and it was just a reprieve. It was just sort of getting myself used to the idea of I, I need to live overseas. And I had a girlfriend over there and. It was really interesting because I was working for um, the WA Health um, Board, I think it was called, doing PA work, and you know, and at some point, and I was, and I was also receiving Ayurvedic um, massages from this wonderful person, and and after about eight sessions, she sort of said to me, she said, "Elise, she goes, what are you doing here? This is so not you." <laughs> And in that moment it was like oh my god thank you thank you I can leave now and so then that's when I actually made my way to Melbourne and it was really interesting because on the bus from the airport into Melbourne I thought my god what was my resistance it it kind of feels like Auckland here you know and so from that point I also uh, I found a job working for the ANZ in the ventures department as a PA again and um, just getting my, you know, getting my roots down. And I was sort of looking for things to continue my uh, learning and growth in the, in the spiritual, emotional realms. And and the more I looked, the more I realized actually I understood a lot more than what was being on offer at the time. And then I actually went to Peru um, with Wayne Dyer, with a group of forty other people. It was it was massive. And uh, anyway, and. Uh, during that time that's when I had another awakening where, where Jesus appeared in front of me he was so big I just thought everyone could see him you know it was as clear as day to me and anyway and I didn't really think much of it because I'm not a religious person and the message was there was a lot of messages on that journey actually and a lot of them were pointing to you are a healer you need to start um, teaching this, blah blah blah. There were so many, so many little incidences where people were coming to me, wanting to talk to me. And at some point, I would say, "Well, you know, I'm going to make you cry, right?" <laughs> and so then, I, so then I handed in my resignation. And then my boss was like, "Oh no, no!" He said, "You you need to stay on. You know, I really want you to be my full time." And I said, well, no, I said, I've got other things I need to do. And he says, well, what are you doing like this? And I go, well, you know, I'm going to um, start practicing healing work because I wasn't doing it in New Zealand. But when I came to Australia, I realized and he goes healing work. And, I, you know, he asked me about it. And and I said, yeah, I work with energy. And he goes, how's the energy in the office? And I go, oh, it's probably just over 50 percent. And he goes, only 50%. Fifty percent. He goes. How can we make it better? You know. And I was really fortunate because he was really open to it. So the so the next three months that I was still there, uh, he allowed me. Well, he was really interested in combining the energy work with the office and everyone in it. And you know, and I've got some amazing stories you know to share about that. But he. But in the end, I did. I started my own practice, and it was just through word of mouth. And I was really fortunate that I was guided to two pivotable people who kept recommending me. But it was really funny because the first time uh, I would go in and I introduced myself, gave them my brochure, and and then they would say, oh, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to come and see you to test you. (laughs) They both said that to me. It was really funny. And from there, you know, I just continued. I I ran my workshops. I did one-on-one. I was guided to connect with Viana Stibble, who teaches um, working in the DNA, Theta Healing. And so she came out to Australia, went to the Gold Coast. I went there and I totally understood everything she was talking about. I came back and, you know, incorporated that into my work. But at the same time, like everything is shifting, changing, shifting, changing. And um, as much as I really wanted people to take on the teachings, I was really aware that they weren't ready. They weren't ready to make that commitment. And so Melbourne was a very lonely time for me. You know, I I sort of felt like I was always talking to myself simply because I was coming from a different perspective of how life needed to be. And, you know, and everyone would give you all the excuses of why they couldn't make the shift. And so I was there for nine years and the last three years of it was incredibly painful I went through a lot of um, deep, traumatic healing. When I turned 40, I went to Hawaii as a present to myself and I was guided to go to Hawaii and I ended up going to Maui. And that was a a really magical experience. But at the same time, it was a lot of deep healing as well. And, um, And I remember when I came back to Melbourne, I started to understand that the healing was now shifting to a collective consciousness. And so once I understood that, I started to also make connections with a lot of um, souls from overseas, and it just felt like to me that, you know, like I actually needed to go out into the world again, and they were asking me to go to the U.S. And then I had huge resistance, huge resistance because, A, I wasn't that fond of the U.S. culture, Um, B, because I didn't know how I was going to survive. Or to be able to stay and work there so to speak and and also because i just didn't know anybody there so there were there were huge fears so for th- three years in my resistance i had created frozen shoulder Ouch. and it was so painful that i could no longer do yoga could no longer do tai chi i could only lift my arm this high i couldn't bend it backwards or anything and and then it just came to the realization is that, you know, if I don't agree to my destiny, I'm actually going to become more sick. Yeah, after a, a long time of preparing myself to surrender to to what my soul wanted, the frozen shoulder disappeared in 3 days. Just 3 days. Yes, just 3 days.
0: Oh, my goodness. Only being able to raise your arm so that it was in line with your shoulder—that would have been awful for getting dressed. Yes, to three days. Yeah. Wow, it became completely
1: free, and I and I also knew I also knew that it was my resistance to being in my soul flow that was creating the dis-ease in my body, and and like I said, you know, it, it took me three years to get comfortable with the idea of actually just leaping into the world alone not knowing how why where and then you know and thank you to spirit two weeks before i'm about to fly out it gives me the clarity that i'm actually going to hawaii so then everything became everything became an adventure after that because in my mind i kept thinking i was going to the us you know to the united states even though hawaii is part of the united states it's not really okay And so it it just made everything. So as soon as I said yes, everything just flowed. Everything just flowed. I was able to sell my car, you know, sold, gave away, sold all my possessions. I started to um, just connect with people who would help me along the way. All the doors just opened really easily. So then I spent the next five years living in Kauai. And, of course, you know, how does one do that Uh, with blind faith, actually? But it was such a magical experience. And, and, you know, it's like when I lived in Melbourne, I really tried to live under, you know, what I call under the radar. And that is to live very simply. And I was living off the seat of my pants all the time. But also applying applying the understanding and the wisdom of what it means to be a multidimensional being. And I remember before that three years, I had I had lamented to spirit and said, you know, I would do this work for free if I never had to think about paying bills or, you know, that financial um, bind that we get into, that slavery that we buy into, okay. And, and for me, that was my biggest uh, hurdle, I guess, because, you know, you're living right in society and so therefore you have to kind of adhere to it. But I would, I would sort of live just beneath it. And and it wasn't that I suffered in any way, but I was very aware that this is what everyone's suffering is. Because you're applying your life to a system that doesn't necessarily agree with your soul, your soul purpose. And so I was really trying to live from that space of my soul and just, and you know, and, and I had a really good life in Melbourne. And so once I got to Kauai it almost felt like um, spirit said, well, here you go, do it, just live it now. And so then I was guided to go into a valley to live just in nature. And in that space of just being in nature, I saw how the magic of our own being and the uh, connection with co-creation of nature allowed things to just manifest. And this is kind of what I share now. You know, this is what I share in my workshops. And, um, yeah, but, you know, but I, I have to say, you know, at every point where I'm ha- having to make a decision to live a little bit differently, it's quite jarring. It is jarring to my system, and it takes me a little while. Like when I got the message, you're going to go live in the valley, you know, go walk in with nothing. It was like, it took me a day and a half. I had a little breakdown for a day and a half. And then in the end, I just sort of thought, you know what? If this is my destiny, I'm just going to say yes. Because my soul has never taken me in a wrong turn. And in fact, my soul leads me into really magical experiences, really magical adventures. So what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of the constructs in my mind. That's all I'm afraid of and so when you get to that point where you understand that and you can able you're able to move forward then you you start a whole amazing chapter in your life
0: i think that a lot of people will be nodding along as i have been as you've articulated so clearly that when obstacles and challenges and those jarring experiences come up we can emerge stronger and that trusting in the inner promptings of guidance of what to do and really truly trusting are the key to human life really
1: yeah because you know the suffering is the suffering is a mind thing it's a practice it's a conditioning okay and as soon as you understand the part of you that is pushing against and you give yourself a bit of space to be able to lean back and and to allow the what ifs you know and to give yourself a new perspective of the what ifs then you know your soul and and your spirit will completely support you the universe completely supports you in your in the move forward what's stopping you from moving forward is your ego state is the need to feel that security you know But what is security? Security means I'm now bound by the job. I'm now bound by my financial situation. I'm now bound by my family. I'm now bound by my society. But you didn't come here to have that experience. You came here to have a soul experience, a soul expression. And this is the part of our education that is lacking. Because this is the part that makes you lighter. This is the part of you that carries your essence
0: so what would you say to people that are listening that feel really bound for example people with children that are do need to take care of them or in situations that do feel may, may feel constricting and not in the flow what what would you say to them
1: well first of all I say if you're this unhappy on an inner level you have to have an awareness that you're actually passing this on to your children. You know, and, and this is a very real question. I remember a man coming into the Valley and talking to me about, he had a, he had a beautiful gift, you know, and he said, Oh, I'm I'm going to wait till my children are old enough. And then, you know, once they leave home, then I'm going to embrace what I really love to do. And I said, okay, but do you not understand what you are actually teaching your children? You're saying to your children, you can only, be passionate about what you, how you really want to live when you become a teenager or, you know, when you become this adult. I mean, you know, for many adults, they are now in the process of unraveling everything they've learned to get back to their sole purpose, to get back to their pure essence. And this is what I would like everyone to question is to understand at this moment in time, are you living this life for you? Are you living it in a happy, fulfilled way that contributes to society, to humanity? Because if you're not, you are just adding more fuel to that um, disillusionment. This is why we have such a, a chaotic state in the world right now. Because, you know, we are born of creator energy. That's the first thing, too, is to ask yourself, do you believe that you are of creator energy. If we're made in the image of God, do you believe that you possess that creator energy? For me, yes, I do. And for everyone else, they need to explore that with themselves because you weren't born here to be enslaved by others, but that's what our society teaches us.
0: I know that you have a great grounding practice do you have any suggestions for something quick let's say someone's listening driving in their car or sitting at home listening to this show is there something that you can share that might help
1: well the first thing is to really start tuning into your body to your sensations to your sensitivities as as feelings are arising to allow them to arise and just to acknowledge them Right now, I'm just feeling really sad, and it's okay. That's just how I feel right now. And that's enough. That's enough, because when you acknowledge your true feelings, you are now meeting your point of empowerment. Even though you might feel sad, you are now acknowledging, this is part of my energy expression. And so now you're embracing that energy rather than projecting the energy.
0: I know a couple of songs and the the lyrics that really spoke to me. um, One was Mahirangi, it's okay to feel how I'm feeling. And Mm. you talking reminds me of seeing her at uh, the Parihaka Festival some years ago singing this beautiful, it's okay to feel how I'm feeling. It was so touching because often we can learn that it's not okay to feel how we're feeling Mm. right from you know, being socially acceptable, maybe at a young age or um, as, gosh, teenage years. Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, that's the thing. We, we've learned to, you know, it's like this is understanding how how to accept and receive one another. Hmm. and And the person just wants to feel okay that they have these feelings, like a small child. They just want to know that they're still loved and that they're still okay, even when they're this angry. Because they're just expressing their passion. Even when they're this sad. They're just expressing a loss that, you know, is, is momentarily, you know. For children, they don't hold on to feelings. When they're very, very young, they're very spontaneous and very instant with their feelings. Once it's expressed, it's done.
0: I had some epic change rooms.
1: Yeah. And you see, we've grown out of that. And that's kind of where we need to get back to.
0: I know I'm doing some work where sometimes I'm feeling like I'm going into tantrum land and it's scary, but it's so liberating.
1: Yeah, totally liberating because your tantrum will just get louder if you don't allow it. Well, you will create, you will actually, when you push your energy out, you're now creating a drama so that the tantrum will come through. But because your energy is sitting outside of yourself, you're not actually receiving the activation and the healing that you need in order to propel you
0: into that next level of consciousness. So for the activation and the healing, I mean, there's many different things that can. I know for me, I can be attracted to at different times. And I know that your work's really helpful. What kind of work do you do now with people? You're online, you're in person. Can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I do private sessions one-on-one. I do online sessions for people who are overseas. Um, I run workshops. So it's it to me, it's really a conversation. We're just having a conversation and I'm just connecting to your energy and then helping you to actually find a, an appropriate expression for yourself so that you're actually acknowledging your soul, your inner child, your feeling state, which is your energy, okay, your energy state. Yeah, so basically that's all I'm really doing. Wow. It works on a very deep level.
0: And that's a classic New Zealand way of saying, oh, that's all I'm doing. I just do that. Whereas it's it's so powerful. I remember coming out of a workshop going, wow, I've got this tool to identify how I'm feeling. And it's okay if maybe I can't, but I can identify that it's uncomfortable and Mm. so grounding and so useful. Yeah. So my, my soul journey workshop and healing the inner child
1: workshops, I impart tools, which are very, very instant and accessible. And it's really learning to read your own sensitivity, what it means for you. So that's really, that's really what I'm sharing with people. This is what this impulse or this sensitivity or, or this feeling means to you, you know. And so when they can feel it in their body, they're reconnecting to their whole being now. It's not a mind thing, like, you know, I, I constantly have to remind people, this is not a thinking process, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're sensing right now. <laughs> and you know what's so funny, so just very quickly, like in the last Soul Journey uh, workshop I ran, um, I got them to connect to their soul and their higher self, because they, they have slightly different tones in the way they communicate, all right? And the messages were so clear, so clean and clear. You know, like one guy goes, oh, yeah, just saying that I am you and you are me and that, you know, we are here, just be with me. And he goes, but I'm not sure if I just kind of made that up or, you know, did I just think that? And, you know, and then I, I realised, I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? We are so conditioned to not believe in our own senses and I said, well, where, which part of the body did you hear this? Did you hear it up here or did you hear it in here? You know, and he, said he didn't really know. So I said, okay, so take a breath and just breathe. Now ask the question. This is a message from my soul. Yes or no? It's, it'll be a simple yes or no. You'll feel it in the body. So where are you feeling it? And he says, I feel it here. Oh, the heart.
0: Oh.
1: I mean, you know, it is that simple, but we've forgotten we've forgotten how to really listen to our own being.
0: It feels like society and the speed of life and thoughts have taken over Mm. everything. In in our early years, the domination
1: has been to be academic, to be intellectual, to theorise, you know, and and I, I see so many individuals afraid to go into the experience of just living because they're trying to figure out what's the best the safest way
0: you know funny thing when I ask myself a question to feel the answer yes or no I doubt it I've often mm. doubted it so I use muscle testing or standing and whether I go forwards or backwards yeah, just yeah. over I've got a clear indication of what I'm being told <laughs> I
1: know it's hilarious isn't it we don't even know how to read our inner compass
0: well, we're getting there. It's the unraveling for me. I know it's that midlife area where I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I do my soul's journey? How can I re- really live what I'm here to live, mm-hmm. rather than filling out a template and and ticking boxes from the society that, not necessarily my parents drummed into me, uh, but that I just picked up from everywhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So
1: um, going forward, also is to understand that. A thought is a thought, so so what I say to people is that when you're in tune with the body, the body will communicate through the feelings, through the sensitivities, and sometimes it can be like a thought or it can be a word, you know. And the thing is that when you're connected, when you're grounded and connected, it's what we call you're in the stream. So you're connected to your source. But once you go into thinking, you're thinking about it, you're actually now moved away from the stream so now your thoughts are very limited but when you're in the stream everything is a possibility
0: so there's a thought all these possibilities yeah yeah all these possibilities thank you so much elise how can people contact you i have a
1: website www.youngelise.com
0: y-o-u-n-g-a-l-y-s-e.com I have a
1: Facebook page as well just under my name Elise Young um, or email me on young Elise, y-o-u-n-g-a-l-y-s-e triple five at gmail.com
0: so what's the symbolism of the
1: five freedom freedom change (laughs) change growth expansion freedom (laughs) that's my life path (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) yeah well thank you so much I appreciate your time and asking me to come on to share my perspective it is only my perspective but I encourage you all to start dropping into your body listening to the body listening to your feelings and just acknowledging them, because that is your empowerment.
0: Today's musical piece comes from my first album, Saturn Return. I was 28 when I released it, the age that Saturn was approaching the spot it was when I was born. Now that I'm much more savvy about things astrology, if I could go back in time, I would rename the album to Neptunian Dreaming as the collection of songs perfectly mirrors the time when Neptune, the spiritual dreamer, passed over several planets in my birth chart. Right now I'm passing through the Neptune Square Transit, one of the midlife unravelling series. So these lyrics are a timely reminder. With the album's leading song, Listen. Mm Listen. Life is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.saramalospence.com. Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis, and art by Samantha Hepburn.